You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Paul Higgins. He's a community owner, podcaster, and tech evangelist. He has over 26 years of rich business experience at Coca-Cola and his own startups. He has mentored hundreds of former employees, now entrepreneurs, to live freedom. He's achieved all this whilst living with polycystic kidney disease. Recently, Paul's best friend donated his kidney in February 2019, and they're both doing well, I'm happy to say. While not managing his community and health, Paul loves to spend time with his teenage children and play sports. Paul has an infectious personality and is always giving first, so I want to welcome Paul to the show. Great, Dennis. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me. It's really interesting. You and I connected on LinkedIn, and we had a little bit of banter back and forth talking about you possibly coming on the show. And the next thing you know, you spring on me the fact that you're about to get a kidney transplant, and I'm saying to myself, did he just say that? Like, hey, let me do this kidney transplant and then we'll record the episode because we were talking about some dates and I was like, oh my God, really? So I know we talked yeah, a little all, bit about all that. All in a day's work. <laughs> yeah, all in a day's work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm happy to hear that you're doing well. Everything seems to be functioning and the kidney was a, was a good match and all that. Everything's great. Yeah, I've been absolutely blessed uh, now to have a, a best friend that was a perfect match. Give me a an amazing kidney. They say that it's better than most living uh, relatives. So just yeah, super lucky. And um, yeah, life's really good at the moment. Wow. Amazing. So it's cool because before we, before we hit record here, we were talking about your migration from corporate into entrepreneurship, which looked a little bit different than it does today. So today we're going to talk about something really cool. We're going to talk about five drivers to scaling a seven-figure lifestyle business. But before we do that, paint us a little bit of a picture, take a couple minutes and give us a quick backstory of kind of how that migration from corporate to where you are, because I know it wasn't always the most smooth journey and there's always bumps in the road. So fill in the gaps for us and then we'll dig right in. Yeah, great. Well, uh, I started working with Coca-Cola when I was age three. So my father worked there and basically he ran a local plant and, you know, at three, I was going down every Sunday with dad and sort of just became, uh, you know, part of, of life. And I sort of helped him right through, all through uni, I worked there, but there was number one rule, which is you will never work at Coca-Cola. So I said, that's cool. So I went and did you know, two business degrees with a view that, you know, I was always, it was funding my education, uh, working for Coke, but I could never work there. And then uh, the Dale left uni, they were really desperate. And they said, look, just come and be a rep for a couple of months. And, um, you know, we will uh, then let you go and do whatever you want to do. And, um, yeah, lo and behold, 18 years later, I was uh, still there. 
Wow. So, so your dad said, he kind of set that rule early on. Hey, listen, you can work here now, but after school, you're going to go out and work somewhere else. What was it? I mean, why was he so steadfast on that? What was his, what do you think his, his reasoning was? Yeah, I think he just always wanted me to stand on my own feet and he never wanted, he knew that I was, you know, a real, I suppose, ambitious person. He just thought that, you know, there's other companies you could work for and he didn't want to, you know, make it feel as if dad got me a job. But the other thing is the Coke company at the time actually also had a rule that they had so many issues with family members that they said, we are not taking any more family members. So it was sort of like both sides. And then, yeah, it was just a freak encounter that they threw me a set of keys and, and away I went. And I always planned to leave, but, you know, I just got promoted so quickly and it was such an amazing company to work for that, you know, before I knew it was 18 years later. Gotcha. So after 18 years, you broke away as an entrepreneur. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Yes. So tell me about that first foray in <clears throat> and then how you got from that day to where we are now. Cause I know your business was very different, you know, up until the last few years where you kind of pivoted into more of this lifestyle business, which we're going to dig into today. Can you paint the picture for us there? Yeah. So, uh, uh, my specialist said to me with my kidney disease that, look, if you keep, you know, flying, flying and working in a, a high, you know, director role at Coca-Cola, you're going to have a kidney failure in about 12 months. So, you know, really that was an easy choice for me to say, well, you know, what what else could I do? And for about 10 years, I tried to have left, but I just couldn't find what to do. So finally just said, that's it. I'm going to leave, completely change my lifestyle to look after my kidney. And I decided to be a coach. So, um, you know, it was pop the champagne, left. I was uh, so euphoric. And then about six months in, I realized that running your own business is really hard. It was, um, you know, I was working more hours than I was in corporate. I was really enjoying it, but I just wasn't getting any money in or nothing that my, you know, unfortunately, I always say to people, tell your your partner, so in my case, my wife, you know, expect half the money in, in double the time. And uh, I just overcommitted, didn't do it. And uh, the first 12 months was a real eye opener. And, you know, I sort of begged still and borrowed from former colleagues and bits and pieces to sort of scrap around. But it was uh, really, really difficult to begin with. And I started coaching corporate people. And I realized that, you know, all the issues they were having is the ones that I used to have and I couldn't really solve them. So then I pivoted to small business and, you know, it sort of then uh, took off. So now you have this membership and coaching and uh, mastermind type communities. So can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how that works? Because that's your yeah, lifestyle. So that's your lifestyle business that you've been able to build the seven figures that we're going to kind of model off of, right? Yeah, correct. So if you sort of think about, you know, you know, my kidneys is okay, and I can you know do all the normal things. I had a VA company in the Philippines. You know, I used to travel all the time to that. I had a tech consulting business and did some advisory, so that was great. I could you know work sort of fifty hours a week, and you know I, I really put the foot down. But in the background, the kidneys declining. So my specialist like mm, you're getting similar to corporate. So you got to change again. So that's when I went and uh, joined a mastermind myself, uh, pivoted the model to say, look, how can I do this from a hospital bed, basically? And that's when I came up with the concept of a mastermind and a membership. And um, basically, you know, what I do now is is back engineer my journey. So it took me really five years to to hit my straps. So what I do now is help people that leave corporate to get there in, you know, maybe two years. So all those conversations I have with my wife, which are incredibly painful, she's got a Sicilian background, if that means anything to uh, people listening. So all of those painful conversations, I just help people avoid those now. Ding, ding, ding. I'm married to a Sicilian, by the way. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh boy. All right. That's a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> yeah. so let's, uh, we got a lot to cover here. So let's dive in. You were going to talk about, you're going to help us unpack five drivers to scaling a seven figure lifestyle business and who more qualified to do it than you, because you just did it. So talk to us about that. Walk us through that. I'm eager to hear what you had to share. Yeah. So I'll just quickly go through the five and then we can, you know, go where you want to take it. So the, and you're right, this is all based on practical experience. I just basically back engineer and I'm just about to release a book on it as well. So the first one is uh, personal productivity. Your time is the most critical thing. So get that right. Then make sure you pick your ideal client because that can make a huge difference. Third is get your business model right. Fourth is sell. You know, you have to sell. No one else can do that for you. And then the last one is once you've actually got all this momentum up, you don't want to be working ridiculous hours. So you need to get a team. So the fifth one is a high performing team. So they're the five things that's not always in that uh, linear order, but typically that's how it goes. Okay. So let's unpack each one of these a little bit. Personal productivity. We hear a lot about productivity hacks and productivity tools and productivity this and productivity that, right? So what makes your personal productivity, that that process that you went through different than what we hear everywhere else? Or, or is it not different? It's just something that you tweaked a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yep. that. Yeah. So since 94, I've been a, a Franklin Covey uh, lover. So to the point when I left Coke, I actually became a facilitator for them and I launched uh, a product called Five Choices, which is their version of the principles of Covey combined with the neuroscience of how you actually think. Uh, so I launched that in Asia and that was brilliant. So a lot of you know my principles come from that. And then you know, 26 years of just being brilliant with my time. So you know, the reason I ran a VA company out of the Philippines was because I knew that a VA is the number one thing that every business owner should have. You know, it's a computer, it's a mobile phone, and then a VA. So I've got a very a methodology that works, and what it does is just give you more thinking time. Because if you're a coach, a consultant, you know, you're paid for your thinking, or that what makes you the money, but you just don't spend enough time doing it. So there's basically three things. So one is mindset. The second is outsourcing, like I said, the VA piece and also experts. We've got 100 vetted experts that we you can tap into. And then the third one is the technology. A lot of people fight because there's so much choice where I, I just make it really easy to get the right tech stack to ensure that you can tap into the outsourcing model. So um, you know it's really well defined. I run a great program where we train our business owners on how to use a VA because I find that the VAs are well-trained, but the business owners often, it's the first time they've ever had a virtual assistant. So you know that then, our goal is to get you two hours thinking time a day back, and that will then lead to, to results, but it'll also allow you to work on the other four drivers. Yeah, it definitely takes some training as an entrepreneur to understand how to best utilize and leverage a VA. Because it's different, you know, especially if you're using someone overseas, right? In the Philippines, like you're talking about, and that's obviously become a very popular place. Most people think that they hire a VA and they just start loading tasks on them and that, you know, they're just going to hit the ground running. They don't realize it's no different than an employee, right? You have to train them. You got to coach them. You've got to, you know, there's got to be a progression through this, you know, indoctrinization period. It's not just, hey, here's a whole load of shit I want you to do for me. And I'm going to go figure out some other stuff to do. And I'm going to do, go do some thinking time, right? I mean, there has to be a framework to it. And I think I screwed that up when I hired my verse VA years and years and years ago. 
And I know a lot of people struggle with that. So it sounds like that's a really interesting piece that I'm sure people get a lot of value out of. Yeah. And I give them a no brainer way of working. So it, you know, it works for everybody. It's based off practical experience working with hundreds of people. You know, when I ran my business there for five years and I've been there 20 times. So like I know the Filipino cult- culture as well as anybody. So um, yeah, it works really well, but it is an awesome asset if you use it well. So I highly recommend people, um, if they haven't got a V8, look into it. Perfect. All right. So step number two or part number two that you talked about was your ideal client. Can you expand on that? I mean, tell me a little bit about what that means to you and how you help people to navigate that. Yeah, look, um, the simple thing, when I normally ask people, so, you know, who is your ideal client? I normally get an answer that could fill most of the globe. You know, they sort of give me a $5 billion, a $5 billion person answer. I'm like, no, what I want is I want you to fill the Super Bowl, just the the stadium, I just want you to fill that first. So just narrow it down to that. And then what I want to do is pick out a row of seats. And I want, you know, you've got 100 seats and I want you to specifically say, who do you want in those 100 seats? And when you get that specific, then people start to say, I've got no idea who my ideal client is. I'm like, yes, I know. So I give them a really simple framework to follow and then get them to go out and ask those people what their pain points are. Because most people will, you know, default to, I've got a solution. I'll then go out to sell it. Hardest way ever. It's the other, you know, just flip it the other way. So we get really specific with that. So, you know, for me, it's very clear. You know, I help corporate escapees, you know, that are normally, well, they're all thought leaders and they want to have a great lifestyle. So it's very, very clear. So my podcast is clear. Who I target is clear. You come to my LinkedIn, my website, it's 100% clear. And people say, doesn't that mean that you miss out on a lot of people? Yes, I do. But ultimately, I only need at this point, you know, a hundred people. I don't need a hundred thousand people. So why try to pitch to a hundred thousand people when you only need a hundred? So I'd, I'd much rather have a, a tribe that really gets me, really understands me, and I know their world inside out rather than being too generic. Yeah, that process of niching down is really interesting, right? And I see, I see companies, you know, exactly what you said. You know, you talk to an entrepreneur who has an idea. One of two things, they either fall in love with the idea and they don't really get a whole lot of feedback from their target market. And then therefore they launch and they hear crickets or they just don't do that product market due diligence, right? And so what you were saying is you suggest and you walk them through a process where they go have conversations with a hundred or more different, you know, maybe stakeholders that are, you know, that can benefit from from some part of what they offer or finding out what some of their pain points are? I mean, is it more of a discovery type process that they're doing with them or what does that look like? Yeah, spot on. So they they have a hypothesis, which they write down and then they go out and validate it. So is it really true? I think it's this, but is it true? And that's where LinkedIn is a brilliant way to to do that. You know, you can use sales navigating and be very specific to find your hundred people. And then you go and basically, you know, ask them, add value first to them, but then, you know, basically ask them. So it's not a sales. Most people get terrified of the word sales. It's actually not sales. This is just research. And it's really just finding out, which then makes everything else so much easier. It's so funny because I'm on the board of a biotech company here in New York state. And it was a startup a few years ago. And, uh, you know, they brought me in and we did this cohort. We flew out to San Francisco. It was with the National Institute of Health where they had had some grant work done and we were all brought out there. And the funniest part about it was scientists, I don't mean to bore you, but scientists have a tendency to be stay inside the lab, right? They they do all their lab work, they do all their research and and all this testing, 
but they don't do well when they have to go out into the field and talk to their potential customers or partners or just people that are going to have play a role in the success of their business. And so this whole cohort was designed specifically for that. So what they did is I think it was in over a six week period of time, they had to go out and talk to either in a phone conversation or preferably face-to-face a hundred people that they identified as a potential, you know, someone that could potentially help drive their business, whether that be, you know, some reseller, VAR, whatever, you know, customer or whatever. And um, it was really amazing because what they extracted from that was something that helped them pivot the business and then land a huge grant after that based upon everything that they gained from that. So I think it's not just these, you know, lifestyle entrepreneurs or people that are migrating from corporate, but this process is extremely valuable. And, yeah. um, and, and to be honest, the, you know, the Coke company, that was what they were bringing at. The Coke company did consumer research better than any other company I've ever seen. The only problem is that they stopped listening to it, you know, and they, Australia was a canary in the coal mine around sugar. And they just, you know, was making so much money across the globe with sugar that they just didn't want to hear it. But, you know, they had all the research there. They were bringing at it. So I've sort of taken, you know, 18 years of that. And now I just apply that into, you know, my own and also other people's businesses. Love it. Okay. So part number three is business model. I know your business model has morphed. How do you help people when it comes to the business model? Yeah. So the first thing is, you know, point two, you know, people will give you the business model, right? So the ideal client ask the right questions, you'll get your business model. But before that, what you've got to do is just work out what you want. So I say to people, what are your non-negotiables? Where do you want to live? How many hours do you want to work a week? You know, how many trips do you want to have overseas? You know, what are the things that you're setting up for your lifestyle? And then your business funds that. And I often find people get that the wrong way around. So first, set up your non-negotiables. Then have a look out who else is out there that are competitors and have a look at what they do. And most people say, oh, I've got no competitors. That's not true. Everyone is making a decision. When they're buying you, they're also making a decision on buying someone else. So find out who that is and then create a unique value proposition that is easy to market. So once you get that US, USP, then it makes it a lot easier to market. And then finally get your pricing right. So, you know, the competitor analysis sort of helps with that. But so often I see people under charge you know it's a, a classic against uh, with amongst coaches and consultants so just make sure you get your pricing right i know coke every year they made all their money out of two price rises a year and once they got that right all the rest happened so you know your pricing is so critical so those four elements form your business model there's lots of models and we sort of go through and iterate those in our masterminds you know they're the four fundamentals if you get right you're um you're going to make it you're going to make the business fund your lifestyle rather than the other way around Nice. I like that. All right. Perfect. So number four, you said you have to sell. Expand on that for me a little bit. Yeah. Look, um, you know, often people will come to me and they're doing, you know, 10,000 in revenue a month, want to get to 20. And I'll say, okay, so where do you spend your time? And they say, they'll give me a, you know, uh, an answer that's not specific. I'll say, no, look, use Toggle, track it for a week, and then let's come back and review it. So in a week, we come back and sales, it's 5% of their time. I'm like, you cannot get sales if you're not doing it. So you've got to cut out all the rest of the stuff. And that's why we have personal productivity at the the start. Get a VA, get rid of all the admin that's ad knows value, and then get selling. And one of the best platforms at the moment for B2B is LinkedIn. So my version of that is let's implement a really great LinkedIn strategy that gets you talking to people because you've got to talk to people and you've got to put an offer out there that converts. That's the easiest thing to get your revenue up. So um, we just help them with that. and, And we look at it across sort of three key 
things to because I think sales is linked to marketing. So you know you need leads basically. So what can you do that's free? And often that is LinkedIn. You know, podcasting is great if you've got a podcast like yours. I think is brilliant. Love listening to that. So you know something like that. Paid is whether you're doing some uh, Google AdWords or something on a paid. And then the last one is joint ventures. So who else has got your client that you can compliment and they can actually send you one-to-many leads? So instead of having all those one-to-one conversations, how do you get some one-to-many? So, um, you know, 18 years of Coca-Cola, I was trained by the best in the world around how to sell. So we go through, once again, mindset, get your mindset right. We get skills. So we give you skills and we do a skills audit. We help you with that. And then the last thing is we get the right technology, get a really good sales CRM that makes it easy for you to follow up. And then all of a sudden you start getting sales and, uh, you know, sales always puts a smile on uh, an entrepreneur's face. Yeah. It's amazing how when small business owners do that tracking activity where they track their activities, you know, every day, all day for a week, and they realize how little time they're spending you know, working on the business because they're so stuck working in the business, right? That's that old adage, right? So they're, they get caught yes. in the weeds so much that they're not doing the real income driving activities, right? They're not having conversations with their target market or with their existing customers, and they're not doing the things that drive revenue. And it blows my mind. And we all do it, right? We can all get caught in the weeds. And I think that's interesting because that brings you to point number five, which is team, You've already alluded a little bit to VAs and things of that nature. Can you expand on the team element of this for us a little bit? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, most people will have experts around the world that help them. So, you know, I'm a big believer in not having any direct reports or sorry, uh, local employed people. So my team is spread all out through the world, but you still want to have a culture. You know, so one of the great things around Coke is that, you know, they did have a great culture. So the first thing is, you know, what is your culture? What do you stand for? How are you going to attract an expert to go and do things over and above for you and how you're going to get, you know, whether it's a VA or someone to come and work for you when you're not a big corporate brand and you can't give them. So I think culture is critical. So you've got to set that up. Then the next thing is how do you engage people? So, you know, they mightn't work with you within your office, but you've got to engage them, you know, they'll follow you. You can't say, come, you know, follow me. So get the engagement piece right. Then have development plans. So, you know, take all the strengths of you know, certainly Coca-Cola, 800,000 employees globally, they had great development plans. So you can still develop people that work for you, have some great standard operating procedures. And then how do you manage all of this complexity? So you know, for us, we normally use Asana for most coaches and consultants, and we help them manage all of this. So, And we've got and just over 100 vetted suppliers now. So I found one of the biggest pain points when I did my research was people say, I just get burnt all the time. I you know, hand over... $5,000 to an expert. They have a beautiful sales front end and then, you know, it's crickets. So we help people avoid that. But you've got to take all those roles you're doing, you've got to let them go to do the things that you're best at. And the only way you're going to do that is through, you know, getting a trusted team. So that's what we help people build once they've got the volume of work coming through. Because you don't want to go back to working 50, 60 hours. You know, you might as well go back to corporate if you're going to do that. You know, you want a great lifestyle. So you've got to build the team to to support it. And I suppose for me, going through the kidney transplant, my business didn't miss a beat because I had an awesome team that supported me. Love it. That's perfect. I love it. So that's your seven figure, that's your way to five tips or five strategies on how to scale a seven figure lifestyle business. Awesome. Well, congrats on doing that, especially with all the adversity, because while you downplay this whole kidney disease and transplant, it had to be incredibly stressful 
and, you know, painful and difficult to go through the process. And even though you came out the other end flying colors, you know, it's a testament to the fact that you've been able to implement this type of framework within your own business. So I'm glad you came on today. I'm happy that we connected on LinkedIn and that you came here and shared this with us. Two questions rapid fire before we go. Number one, what is your favorite growth tool or software that you're using to grow your business? If you can only mention one, what would it be? I know you already mentioned Asana. Is that it or is is there another? (laughs) No, look, um, for me, because sales is so important, it's copper. So C-O-P-P-E-R, it's a sales CRM. It's brilliant. C-O-W? C-O-P-P. Okay, copper. Copper. All right, awesome. Haven't heard of that one, but I'll definitely check it out. And what would be, I know you're going to release a book soon. Maybe we can have another conversation about that later, but what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience? Yeah. So Fire, Ready, Aim by Michael Matheson. And it really follows a lot of the things we've talked about today, which is, you know, just uh, start selling, get an offer out there and see whether it converts, but a fantastic book. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, Paul, do us a favor. Let everybody know how they connect with you, learn more about your coaching business and your membership and all the things you have to offer there. And then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah. So I've got a free download for everyone listening today. It's really helped with that first driver, which is personal productivity. So, and, you know, it really helps you work out to get more sales and thinking time. So if you go to www.blg, so blgdownload.com, you'll get that. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, hey, I really appreciate it. I'll make sure that I put that in the show notes. Have an awesome day. I know you're just starting your day over there in Australia. So have an amazing day. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Dennis. And uh, I love your podcast. Uh, Thanks for putting all your value out in the world. And, um, you know, I think for all listeners, just, you know, take one key action from this podcast to uh, live that fantastic lifestyle. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.